Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your host, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and today I am joined once again by my friend, the one and only Tim Jenkins. Tim Jenkins, thank you for joining me. I'm pumped up, man. I, uh... I was thinking about when we were setting this up. I was like thinking about the first time I came on, and I and I and I think it was either off season or right before game, and we were like trying to talk ourselves into how we could do this at Denver at QB, and then now it's a little different situation. So, uh, yeah, I was I was I was getting a little nostalgic when we were when we were DM and setting this up. <laughs> it has been a journey. Uh, I mean, I think the the first time we talked, we were talking about Sam Darnold. Yep. And Carson Wentz and like those kind of options. And then the quarterback class, Drew Locke. Uh, now, I mean, I think I think I might ask you a little bit about Brett Rippon at some point here. Yep. But I but I don't think that's going to be the central focus of, you know, our conversation. Yeah, um, I don't think we need to touch on the rookies either on, on an immediate impact situation. <laughs> no, no. Um, and that's I, I got to admit, uh, I'm a little relieved by that. Uh I, before before we kind of dive into it too deep, uh, guys, if you do not follow Tim on Twitter, go do it. He is at T Jenkins Elite. Go get watch his videos on YouTube. Uh, that's going to actually be the first thing we're going to touch on is your video. Uh, but go check them. They're at All Things QB. I check them out each week. You should go do that as well. Um, and kind of with that in mind, so the Broncos traded eight players in draft picks for Russell Wilson, who is a future Hall of Famer. If he retired today, I I have no doubt he's going to make the Hall of Fame. Um, your video, and I think a, a good topic for us to kind of kick off with, is the fit Russell of Russell Wilson in Nathaniel Hackett's offense. Yeah. And you and I actually have not actually had a chance to really chat at length yet, even about Nathaniel Hackett's offense. So, like, I'm going to kind of steal a little bit of the thunder there because I'm also really curious to kind of talk about that. But the first thing... Your video does a fantastic job, and guys, again, go check it out. But you looked at the different concepts 
kind of highlighting the similarities between the Hackett offense that we saw the last couple of years and Wilson. Uh, you've looked at the third down plays. You looked at the condensed quick game. You looked at screen game. You looked at same side boot. You looked at red zone. You looked at red zone big time throws. And that was, got to say, as, a, as somebody who really enjoys watching a quarterback who just can stand down a rush and still deliver like that, like yeah. those kind of plays just kind of like get your heart racing. That was really cool. Uh, and then you looked at three by ones. And I'm really glad you touched on that too, because based on what I've seen of the Nathaniel Hackett offense, that looks like a very big component of it. And the Broncos have good personnel to run that even after trading Noah fan. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the first thing I think when I, when I was, when I was doing research for the video is <clears throat> I was actually surprised at how similar they were because for some reason I kind of had this perception of green Bay's offense um, with Aaron Rodgers, And then, you know, I flip out a Seattle game and, and it, and it honestly, it didn't really seem that similar when I just watched it, I would say from a fan's perspective, because it was like week in and week out, I wasn't studying those films like I do for Denver. Um, so then when I turned it on, my, my biggest thing was, okay, I got to find a common opponent because what's hard when you're doing these film comparisons is, you know, okay, Hey, let's just turn on week one and week one. Cause it doesn't work because, Hey, they're a single high base or they're a two high and the NFL, you know, in you guys, I mean, you know this, you touch on it, me and you touch on it all the time when we talk about, hey, prepping for a, for an opponent like we did for Baltimore. But these game plans are so fluid, right? There's there's base stuff, yeah, in the playbook, but it, it's usually a customized deal for each each opponent. So, you know, seeing Detroit, right, as the, as the common opponent was great because you saw no matter who you are as an NFL team, you're attacking them the same way, right? Because you deem there's vulnerabilities. And so my first thing was, man, I was surprised at how, you know, how much similarities there were. The next thing was kind of, I, I don't want this to come off negative. I think Seattle did some good stuff. Um, but I do think Seattle was still trying to navigate its way with a new coordinator um, or a somewhat new coordinator. I can't even remember if this is yeah, first or a first, second year. But yep, first year. Yeah. So, you know, I think they were still doing some stuff, whereas – Green Bay, when you watch them attack, it almost got me more excited because there were plays that Russell made where it was like, it was, it was honestly a bad play, mm -hmm. but wow, Russell makes it work because he's Russell Wilson, right? Well, Green Bay was very rarely in those because I think that, you know, their, their system was pretty dialed. And I think Green Bay, which is, I'm excited for Hackett now, obviously puts more on the quarterback. And to me, it's like, man, if you can run your offense through your quarterback and with Russell Wilson, there's no reason not to, you know, you're going to, he's going to get you in and out of the right place. So it's like Aaron Rodgers, right? We all on Sunday night football, he's mic'd up and we hear him yell, can, can all he's doing is changing from one play to another, right? Like we had kill when I was in St. Louis, some guys say alert, um, you know, other guys it's can, can you hear that from like the Shanahan tree? Cause you hear, you know, Jimmy G says it, that's just, they're, they're, they're canning the play. It, Really, th I always think of it as like, hey, we're going to run F ship, but we can change it to 50 OP, right? That's yeah. a really easy way for, for someone who's like not versed in football to say, okay, this is this is what they're doing. But, you know, when you – it really got me excited watching Green Bay because I'm like, gosh, I can – you know, I can see Russell making all these plays on things that I don't think are particularly perfect looks. Mm -hmm. And it's like couple that when he has a perfect look. And then Aaron Rodgers missed a couple of deep balls in the Detroit game. Then I'm like, you know, I think Rodgers is a uber talented guy. Like, I don't want this to come off as if like, man, I don't think he's tapped. But I think Russell might have an edge in the deep ball. And then when you think about the Broncos personnel and how all this fits, 
I mean, I don't know how you're not excited to potentially, you know, hey, start in three by one with your tight end on the backside. Boom, motion KJ to two by two. He's the primary outside receiver, but a nickel goes with him. And then you work one on one. Like there's so many things that I just get I just get geeked out thinking about it. And then when you have Russell, who I do think is dynamic with his deep ball. I really think the sky's the limit, especially with Hackett and the way that he was really designing things. Whether you want to say it was LaFleur or him, you know, they were designing stuff together in Green Bay. I just think it I think it really could be special. And I want to I want to pick at that just a little bit because I want to for our listeners and also just for my own sake, when you say that Hackett's offense puts more of a quarterback, like I understand like audibling, checking at the line. Yep. Do you think that that kind of coincides with like for a year now, about a year, we've heard that Russell Wilson has felt like like, and I don't want to put words in, you know, his mouth, but like almost like frustrated by the fact that Pete Carroll kind of took the offense away from it. Like they, they wanted to play kind of like conservative, defensive minded, run the ball quarterback bails us out where he needs to, but it's not necessarily in his hands. The Hackett offense does that. Yeah. Yeah. So I almost feel like perfect, like the, the, you know, I (laughs) rarely do I feel like the perfect guest, but I feel perfect to answer this because I actually played for Schottenheimer. So Schottenheimer was his previous OC, right? Russell Wilson. And I played for him in St. Louis. Um, the one thing that I love about Shoddy's offense is it runs through you, man. Yeah. Like the, the freedom that you have to get in and out of, whether it be run checks, pass the run, run the pass, or just casino, the whole thing. We used to call it casino, right? Which means, Hey, you know, the, the looks kind of messy, but we're going to bet on you, right? It's a casino, right? We're going to bet on the quarterback to go make a play. I like, like I, I think if you're, if you're Russell Wilson, you're in that. And then you get to a guy who, by by everyone's standards, the new OC in Seattle is very impressive on the board and very, you know, impressive when it comes to designing plays. There is a difference, though. Young coordinators, in my opinion, usually make the mistake of they're going to call their play and run my play. Mm-hmm. And they don't give those guys who have seen a lot of downs freedom. And I'm willing to bet that that was extremely frustrating to Russell. Like, I mean, I think, you know, not only you don't have to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback to get frustrated. Like a big thing that I, you know, want to do as a guy who runs a company is like give everyone ownership. Right. Give them give them the ability to have freedom within their job, because none of like none of us want to feel like we're in school again. We want to feel like capable. So I think that's probably where a lot of the frustration was, is you went from somewhere where it was like, man, I have a ton of flexibility. I can really, you know, make hey, get in and out of the plays. I can really do the things that I want to do. And then you go to somewhere where it's pretty conservative and or it's just you don't have the optionality. And then, of course, you know, hey, I've won a Super Bowl. I've been really good in this league. You're going to get frustrated. So I think, yeah, to to answer your question, absolutely Hackett's offense is cut way more from the Schottenheimer cloth than, you know, what he had this last year in Seattle. So – and, and I know this is almost like a taking a step back from this part of it, but I, I wanted to touch on this too, just because again, I haven't gotten a chance to really pick your brain on Hackett. Technically speaking, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but technically speaking, Hackett's offense is like root West coast system. Just like Pat Shermer's was technically West coast system, Schottenheimer's system, West coast system. And so is Shane Waldron's. So from like a casual fan perspective, it's almost like, what's the difference? I know there yeah. are obviously, yeah. uh, but like, Based on what you've seen, because again, you you're very familiar with all of them. Yeah. Uh, what really stands out to you as some of like the big changes that Wilson is probably going to be going into with this new system? Yeah, it's so funny because it's it's such a great question, and it's almost like we 
Yeah, it's almost like we're um, – I want to find a perfect analogy. It's almost like we've gotten so used to saying West Coast. Yeah. And we think it's like this this perfectly designed offense. Um, but it would be like someone being like, you know, ex- asking like why the calculus professor and algebra teacher are different when they're both teaching math, right? Like, yeah. you know, and, and I'm an idiot about math, so I don't know if that even makes any sense to people at home. But that's it, – it, it's – Yes, there's terminology, there's concepts that are the same, but these things are on iteration, you know, number 97 when it comes to the evolution because, hey, someone started it here and then you took bits and pieces and it it gets – you could almost on the same West Coast tree end up in completely different spots Mm -hmm. when it's cut from the same playbook like originator, but we're just in a different place now. I think – what is the flexibility like we already touched on in yeah. terms of getting in and out of plays like that's a you know hey we could all be running fluty with that post sale but if i give my quarterback the freedom to get out of post sale and get into you know clear sale like more of a flood that it's going to look it's going to be a completely different offense to the quarterback whereas the other guy was hey we're running fluty no matter what so i think that's the first part the second part is I think Green Bay and San Fran, I think it started in San Fran with Shoddy. No, Shoddy, sorry, Shanahan. I think it's more, there's more curated, designed, dynamic kind of shot plays where it's like, man, we have these one-off ways that we're going to attack this thing. Like how often you watch San Fran play and it's like out of nowhere, you know, Samuel's running across the field. And you can tell it's just a one-off for that week. I think they do a really good job of stuff like that. Green Bay does it. There, uh, the clip that I showed with Devontae Adams on the big speed out and go. I think they run it. I, I really think they only run it like one or two more times the whole season. So it's like you can tell they just designed it for a certain look, got the look, called it, executed it. And I think mm-hmm. those are going to be. That's what I didn't see in Seattle. But to me, that's where it's like, man, how special could you think about Russell? With you know how often we were talking about. Uh, we were talking about sure. Sorry. I like blanked his name from oh, my mind. Shermer, I like tried to black out that memory of, of him in Denver, but, <laughs> it, but you know, Albert O running the shallow. And then I was calling it shallow special where then he turns yep. up, you know, and, and Teddy hit it a couple times. I think drew missed it, but think about Russell on that. Yeah. Right. Like how much more confident are you in that throwback getting hit 90% of the time? And those are the little one-offs that I'm excited to see where it's like, or even like a guy that I don't think we're taught. I, I I think we are, but I don't think like the national media understands in Tim Patrick. Yes. Like Patrick is the guy that I think a lot of people, you know, everyone realizes what Cortland was at one point. And I think a lot of people are betting on him getting back there. I think people see the star potential in Jerry if he really ties it all together this year. Cage is explosive. Tim Patrick, man, he is a good receiver in the NFL. Like, and, people are and sleeping not- on him. Not a good three or four. He's a good, like, I think he's a, a lot of, he could be a number one on a lot of teams. So think about him where he flies under the radar. You don't even prep for him that much. And he motions down and does some of the Cooper Cup stuff off the line where it's like, man, we can do these one-off design shots that, you know, that uh, Hackett has history with because he's seen it in Green Bay. And that's going to be the huge difference, I think, when you're really comparing these offenses. While they're both West Coast, I think the one-off design shot plays, man, I just think it's completely different what Green Bay's doing versus Seattle. You could make the argument that they were doing shot the, the shot plays, but really their their only shot was three by one. We're going to ISO DK. Like that was how they, you know, took shot plays or 
you know, slot takeoff. But I think everyone in America's playbook has those. So it wasn't like a special, hey, we designed it for this look. That makes sense. And that's for for listeners, you know, at home, that's one of those things that like when you're hearing Hackett and Hackett, I don't know if, and again, I'm assuming you were busy today because uh, you like actually run a company. Uh, but like Hackett at his press conference, I want to say at least three times he mentioned something along the lines of like shot plays. So like hearing you to describe like what he's actually alluding to, it should be exciting for you guys. Like this is Russell yeah. Wilson, in my opinion, is one of the two or three best like deep ball throwers in the league based on the last couple of years. So pairing him in an offense yeah. that is actually designing these shots just specifically for matchups and stuff, it's, it should be a perfect fit. Uh, and, and the personnel, I mean, the personnel is just exciting too, which I think like, you know, Broncos fans know that I don't think the national people understand just how dynamic this receiving core can be, because I think, you know, the combination of the revolving door at quarterback, you know, it's hard, right? If Jerry Judy, you know, two years ago, Jerry Judy gets wide open and Drew misses him and then vice versa, you know, Teddy, Teddy plays fast and gets it to Timmy Patrick on the sale where the post was open or vice versa. Like, I just think, you know, having that consistent guy and I, and I do think, you know, I always take us, try to take a step back and like, Hey, did, you know, did, you know, Drew and, and Teddy both play a role in getting the franchise at this point where then George Patton comes in and makes the trade. Like, you know, to, it's, it's easier to look back and be like, Oh, okay. Hey, wish those guys well, thankful for them now. Cause you have Russell Wilson. Right. Yeah. But it's, you know, when you're in the moment, it's hard, but I do think, man, these young guys, I was making a joke that I think we got to re-sign Jerry Judy this year because it's like the price tag could go way up. And I'm like, why don't I just under contract now? <laughs> well, I mean, right now, like, and again, I don't even know if, I don't think you're allowed to sign him, but like, I agree because like right now, and, and to your point, from a national media perspective, like how many of those guys are really focusing on Denver week to week yeah. over the last two years when like, Best case scenario, they're probably the third best team in the AFC West. So, like, I don't blame them. They're not on national TV, that kind of thing. It's like the same thing. This came up today. And again, I'm not trying to throw shade on anybody, but Malik Reed signed an RFA tender today. And I think it was Mike Garofalo of NFL Network. He's like, oh, for somebody who generated, well, I think it was 15 sacks. I don't have the number in front of me. It's kind of surprising that they, they got him for so little. But it's like, if you watch Malik Reed, and I love yeah. Malik Reed, the sacks are great. But like, if you look beyond the box score, the number makes sense just because of the other limitations. And you look at the receivers from the last two years, everyone can say, oh, well, the quarterback situation is why. But it's yeah. also easy to just look at the box score stats and say, well, is Jerry Judy really going to be a star? He had zero touchdowns. Yeah. Those of us who yeah. watched him are like, yes, he probably can be. Yeah. And I think it just, yeah, again, it you, you nailed it, right? It's the, it's the stat stuff. And, and there's a lot of guys that I respect really well, but it was Me like- too. People were talking about like, you know, when Teddy had a good run to start the season, people were talking like, oh, yeah, his brain is finally caught up to, or his physical ability is finally caught up to his brain. I'm like fairly certain he made these same throws in New Orleans. So it's just like, you know, and I get it, man. I, you know, this is it's one of the things that I struggle with when people are like, hey, would you come on the come on my podcast and talk? I, You know, I think you know me pretty well. I'm not going to go unless I've watched it. Like yeah. I, I have a really hard time. Like I can't go and. You know, I, I think I'm the only guy who, if I'm on a radio call and it's live and someone asks me something, I'll be like, oh, I got no idea, you know, I, but I just like, I, I feel bad talking about it unless you watch the film, because it, it does tell such a different story. Like Jerry Judy, I could sit here today confidently and say, I have zero doubt about his game. Whereas if all I did was look and said, Jerry Judy had no touchdowns, I'd be like, holy mackerel. I wouldn't yeah. have even thought that, but 
it plays so little into my evaluation that he has any touchdowns because he was getting open all last year. And that's all that really matters. And that, that kind of brings me to the next part. I think that I, I want to talk about because most of Broncos country have been basically just absorbing every and all Russell Wilson content for the last, you know, 10 so or so days or basically since the trade happened, yep. there are a lot of narratives out there at this point, uh, good and bad. Um, that like right now there's people basically saying that the Broncos are going to be in the Super Bowl every single year. Uh, <laughs> I hope so, obviously. Uh, but there's also like, there's definitely some critiques and I think some of them are fair. Some of them are not, but I think, you know, it's, it's worth kind of exploring it based on your expertise and your knowledge of like what we're actually looking at here. The first one is the, and I saw this as, as soon as the trade went down, because again, Broncos traded eight players and picks. The Broncos traded the farm. And again, you know, tell me fact or fiction, but the Broncos traded the farm for the third best quarterback in the AFC West. I think again, tell me if I'm not, I think that can be fair and still it doesn't matter. Like that's yeah. where I'm at with it. And it kind of touches on everything you said. If Russell Wilson is individually the third best quarterback in the AFC West, but the Broncos have a, an ideal scheme for him and the supporting cast, he could be an MVP with being the third best quarterback. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with, well, you know, in based on what metric, right? Because like, it's like, okay, so hypothetically speaking, was Jamarcus Russell the best quarterback in the AFC West for a while? Because he would have been the most talented and there's not even like a, yeah. a shadow of a doubt. So to me, I, I tweeted this out once the deal happened, which is I really believe there's going to be weeks that every single one of these quarterbacks is viewed as the best quarterback in the division and worse because... Derek Carr, like, you know, I, <clears throat> I still think he's a pretty solid player. So there's going to be ebbs and flows where people are like Russell Wilson. Here's here, the bottom line is this. Let's say Russell Wilson is the third best, most talented, right? When you look at it and you say, okay, I think Mahomes is the most talented. I think Justin Herbert has more talent than Russell Wilson, which there's an argument to be made. And I think Russell Wilson is the third most talented. Well, I'll take the third most talented guy who's in the MVP running because he's utilizing all these weapons. So it's like, yeah, I think that it's a hyper-competitive quarterback division. Um, with that being said, like, I don't think it matters because you can make the argument that he's the third best quarterback in the AFC West, and then based on how the season shakes out, he's the third best quarterback in the AFC. So does it matter then if you have the third best quarterback in the AFC? Or, like, I mean, and again, this is like everything goes right, but, I mean, you could see a world in which it's Mahomes, Herbert, and Russell Wilson as the three best quarterbacks in the league. So, yeah, I mean, if you're, you know, it sucks when you hear it because of four quarterbacks, right? You'd love your guy to not be three. But I do think it's like, it's all, to me, it's all relative because I now, I now have a guy who I believe could be in the MVP running. And at that point, it's all relative to me because it's like, we have a guy who can make all the throws. There are also arguments to be made about where he could potentially, <clears throat> and I know this will like ruffle some feathers. But there's arguments to be made where he could potentially be better than Patrick Mahomes, Agreed. right? Like, let's not discount all of the experience this guy has. So, you know, like where Patrick still at times is like, you know, a little bit of YOLO, I'm just going to fit this thing in there. Russell's going to have less of that. So it's like, we got to kind of take all this with a grain of salt. And, and to me, it's like, yeah, he very well could be the third most talented quarterback in the AFC West. Um and then he could end the year in the MVP running. So I don't even think it matters. Cool. You kind of touched on this next one. Um, 
And I want to, I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit on our rundown, but you touched on the YOLO part because that was a critique I've seen. Uh, the ringers, Benjamin Solak brought it up. I think the ringers, Stephen Ruiz brought it up. I've seen it a lot of other places. And again, I like Benjamin Solak, Stephen Ruiz. I know you do too. Like this isn't necessarily, I'm not trying to come after them, but, but the critique is essentially like, quote unquote, every offense becomes a Russell Wilson offense. In, in, in that idea being basically like it turns into a broken play offense where it's just all shots and there's not yeah. enough going on in the, the short game. I know uh, the athletics Ted Wynn brought up uh, basically because of his height. Uh, yeah. He has trouble hitting the short to intermediate areas of the field. Uh, and then that also kind of bleeds into the idea that like he doesn't throw over the middle enough um, yeah. and it hurts him against too high coverages. Do you think that stuff is fair? Or do you think there's ways that like Nathaniel Hackett can like if that is fair, and I, I assume it is, are there ways that Nathaniel Hacking can kind of play around that, or is there going to be kind of holes in the Broncos' offense because of it? Yeah, so I'm going to answer that in two parts. Yeah. One, I think uh, I, I think Ted's criticism of the height and over the middle, I think, is fair. I, I really do. I think the the Rus- every offense turns into a Russell Wilson offense is somewhat big play based, meaning. In the games that I've evaluated, he's played on rhythm plenty. Like it, it, it's not all, you know, I, I almost had the same reaction. And then I really started diving in on him. And I'm like, oh, gosh, like he plays on rhythm way more than I even thought. Right. And and I, you know, like those guys live in the NFL world. Well, we still can't watch every single snap of every single game. It's yeah, physically it's impossible. impossible. Exactly. So, but naturally you gravitate to what was going on in the game and you see like, oh, Russell Wilson extended a play and then hit a huge shot. Right. Like. But it's almost like let's not penalize him for that ability. And I, and I do think he plays on time a lot. So I get what they're saying, which is like, hey, eventually he's going to get to where it's like he extends the play and throws a deep. Like, I totally get that, and I think that's valid. But I think he does play on time. Um, when it comes to throwing over the middle, I think I, I would take a twofold. One, yeah, if you're short, like, it definitely will probably skew that way. I also say I love Ted to death, Okay. As someone who has been under center, there's no amount of height that helps you see over the middle. So I would say it's not because of height. It's just like he's developed that part of his game to where he doesn't just trust, hey, my Hank's there. Mm-hmm. Like some guys just naturally trust my Hank's going to be there and they throw the six-yard ball over the middle. Some guys never build that. Um, I would tell you that like even Brock Osweiler ain't seeing anything because like, dude, like our eye level is six inches shorter than our hair and the helmets are pretty tall too. And those guys are six four in the middle. Like it's just impossible to see. Like, I, I mean, you just not see it anything. I didn't see anything starting in college, right? When In high school, I saw everything because my center was 5'10", but that was about it, you know? So I think that I, I don't think it's as much the short. I, I think it's more, hey, just probably hasn't developed that trust. I think a lot of that probably has to do with the, the scheme that he's run throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost think you have to go back to when Shoddy was there to really see him attack the middle of the field because – Schottenheimer, they do a good job of driving basics and different kind of ships and shallows that will attack that middle. Okay. Um, but I think it's like, listen, you know, for me, the I think it's a valid criticism. Hey, does he struggle against cover two? Well, I tell you, we should be running the ball against cover two anyways, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of that to me is an argument against what Seattle was doing because they were running the ball, then on third and long, getting against the cover two shell and then not having success. Whereas what you're going to see with the, you know, the Green Bay offense, with, you know, the spinoff from that San Fran is, hey, guess what? Against too high, we're going to can-can and we're going to just run. Mm-hmm. And that's how you problem solve it. Like, you know, you know, Peyton Manning, the best way he attacked cover two 
other than throwing a bender to his tight end, was checking to a run, right? Like uh, Peyton Manning's one of my favorite guys ever because it's like he kept it pretty simple. Check to a run against cover two, and then guess what? When they went press man zero, he threw tunnel screen for 80-yard touchdowns. Like, that's not, you know, we don't always have to overcomplicate this. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, I would say that I think part of it is part of it is scheme-induced. Um, and then part of it, like, you know, I, it's always hard with, with the with – the, analytics piece of it because you have to marry it with the film i believe because you know hey some of it just could be listen when you naturally lean towards run and then it's third and long in which you're facing cover two or two yeah or quarters yeah, yeah, any of that stuff yeah yeah you know so it's like you know versus first and ten it's a heck of a lot easier to go and get two shell because i can just you know get it down to my option route and there's a completion in seven yards and so i think you know it's all nuanced i think ted's criticism is probably probably super fair knowing him because he you know, really researches all that stuff. So, but I, I would be curious as to what he looked like with shoddy. Um, and then not even so much like in games, how things shook out, but like, you know, in Seattle's practices, was he, how was he throwing over the middle? Cause you know, I shoot, I, you know, we, we talked about all the time where it was like when all the reports were coming out of training camp and we were talking about Locke and Teddy last year, where it's like, it's one thing to see in training camp, a cool deep ball, but was it the right read? We don't even yeah. know. Right. So um, that's where I, I'd be interested. But I do think I, I, my, I guess the, the short answer in terms of, hey, will we see some holes in the Denver offense? I don't believe so. Um, and I believe Hackett's probably going to help him problem solve that with, hey, here's a run check against two shell. And then also here's some easier first and 10 plays, um, you know, even stick like the condensed stick that we showed on the video. Like. It, it, it's all about like the nuance of, is that an over the middle throw? Like maybe not, but at the same time, it's like right off the tackle. So it's like, do those count? And, and that's where it's like really hard to say where he's struggling, but those are the kind of quick game things. And, you know, they paired that stick concept with the Hank over the ball. So if that backer shoots the stick, boom, he's going to reset and hit the Hank. So I think we will see an increase in production there. Do I think that he'll ever, you know, be like a Brady in terms of how he attacks the short middle of the field? Probably not. Yeah. Um, but I just think it kind of like as a, you know, you really, as a quarterback, you either kind of trust that or you don't. Well, and the other part of it too is, and again, I don't have the numbers in front of me. So like maybe I'm, but based on everything I know, it wasn't like Aaron Rodgers was being Brady either. Like Brady, yeah. like Brady's ability to attack the middle of the field is special. Like that's one of the reasons, yeah. that's one of the things that make him Brady. So I yeah. think at Hackett, and I know I understand like this idea. And I, again, like I, it is a concern of mine kind of going into this because, you know, until you see it, you don't see it. Yeah. But I feel like Nathaniel Hackett's worked in an offense around a quarterback who doesn't necessarily trust the middle of the field either. So this isn't yeah. like new for him. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> that's what they're talking about right this second, if we're being honest, right? Because those guys are meeting now for the first time, probably, and talking through everything. And, um, they're going to start designing everything and then they'll get a feel for it. But yeah, I would also be willing to bet like Wilson is going to be super flexible. Like, okay. And I don't want to get too in the weeds, but I just like, can't no, help myself. Nerd out. But it's like, you know, let's say Cortland Sutton ends up bumping inside and being the number three receiver in trips. Cause you count them from outside in, right? One, two, three. I have a feeling Cortland Sutton running a basic route or running, you know, a quick ship is going to feel different to Russell Wilson than when he had Tyler Lockett, who he also can't see, right? So there's some nuance to this of how to make someone more comfortable if it's something that they deem necessary. Like they might also look at Javante Williams and say, 
ah, we're going to run the ball when there's too high, right? Like there's a real chance that you look at that kid and what he did and say, I feel pretty good about letting, you know, him spin a little bit with this rock. And I think it's like, there's different things that they're going to deem that they have to be able to do. Um, but I do think there's a, some different ways that the Broncos could make it more uncomfortable if, or more comfortable if it was like something that they, they right. have to do. But like you're saying, like he very well could be super comfortable with being outside and then Hackett's already coached that and it's going to be an even uh, better marriage. The other big one, and this is kind of tying on a couple things that I've seen, but based on the presser, uh, I want to say DNVR Zach Stevens asked Russell how much longer he wants to play today. And he said, I want to say it was 11 to 12 more years. And he's hoping to play three or four Super Bowls. I under like that is probably optimistic. Again, I'm hoping it happens. I'm not saying, yeah. you know, it's not. Um, but as far as the years go, uh, one of my big concerns before I started diving into any Russell Wilson tape, really, like but long before the trade even looked realistic, because I don't know about you, but I just never thought Russell Wilson was really available. Um, yeah. just because it just didn't seem like they were doing the things you normally do when you're headed towards a, like a divorce like this. Yeah. Uh, but my big concern with Russell Wilson compared to Aaron Rodgers back when that was like kind of, you know, the debate was even though Russell Wilson's 33 and Rodgers is 39 because Russell Wilson's game is so predicated on him being able to escape pressure and make those second, you know, second reaction plays. I was nervous that as his legs start to decline with age, he's going to decline worse, like faster than like an Aaron Rodgers would. Um, that said, like watching a few games and again, I'm probably not as deep into it yet as you by any means. I'm not as concerned about it, especially in like the intermediate, I think 36, 37, like I don't have any real concern 10 years. I'm probably a little nervous. Like that seems yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's totally fair. I think, <laughs> you know, a lot of that comes from what he says. Right. And, and this is what I find interesting is you're almost at a point betting on what his personal life looks like, right? Because, you know, here's the thing, love him or hate him, right? For Brady yeah, is by and large, the dude has basically given up everything in life for his health and to play for a long time. Yeah. He's a freak. And again, I love that about him, but he's a freak. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, of the two guys that we just talked about, and this is no shot at Aaron Rodgers, but Russell feels more like that to me than Aaron. Yeah. Aaron feels to me like a guy who's like actually super smart and like wants to go do a bunch of other stuff. Russell feels to me like a guy who wants to take care of his body and play for 12 years because he's hyper competitive because everyone called him short and said he couldn't play and he got drafted in the third round. Right. And I think it's interesting if you look at the guys that quote unquote didn't take care of themselves and were first round picks and then the guys that are drafted a little later that everyone said you couldn't do it and how much they want to play forever to stick it to everybody. Right. Like, I think there's an interesting dynamic there. And I think Russell has a little bit of that. Not to say that Aaron is like going out and, you know, living the big bin lifestyle. But I do think like Rogers has a little bit more like it appears freedom to his personal life than than Russell really lets himself have. So, um, again, like you're talking about two guys who are probably going to end up being in the Hall of Fame. So it's all relative. But I do think when he says the 10 to, you know, hey, it's I want to yeah, I think it's possible because I think at that point you're betting on what is this guy willing to do to get it done, and he feels like a guy who's willing to do to get it done. Like, Roger's another guy who could do it. He's just never vocalized that I want to play until I'm 45. Well, and the other part of it to me, and, and again, like, we don't know until you kind of see it, but with Ben Roethlisberger, kind of as Ben got older, 
his arm fell off a cliff like over the last yeah. couple of years. And again, like I'm not necessarily trying to dog him. Yeah. But his arm fell off a cliff. Like by the yeah. end, he looked like like the last year, he looked kind of like Peyton Manning after the surgery when he didn't have his arm anymore. Yeah. Uh, Wilson, again, 33. So, you know, we have a few years. I don't see a decline in Russell Wilson's arm. Like if, if there's anything, it's maybe he's not as quick or nimble as he was. Yeah. Still plenty quick and nimble. Yeah. But 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 I just mean like maybe that's the area where you're seeing it a little bit. But I think yeah. his arm is every bit as good as it's been. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about the arm too is I think, and this is again, it's so hard because it's like you want to, to give my honest opinion, but you also are like, listen, you respect that these guys are future Hall of Famers, but Big yeah. Ben I don't think was as enthralled with improving biomechanically as say a Brady or a Russell. Um, and I think the most interesting thing that I could probably speak specifically to because I'm in the field is the biomechanic improvements that we've made from a functionality standpoint in just the last five, six years from a quarterbacking perspective, like these guys can learn to maximize their delivery and minimize the wear and tear on their arm because they're becoming more rotational. They're using their body more. And it's like anything, right? Like pitchers, why do they wear down? Well, because your tiny, the, you know, the tiny ligaments in your elbow or your shoulder, well, the more rotational you become, the more you use your body, like we're, we're really de-stressing these things. And and that's where I think it's like, you know, Brady, it, people say, man, his arm got stronger. Well, it didn't, right? But he learned how to use it. it. It's relative. You know, mm-hmm. his body got stronger and he learned how to use his body. So is his arm getting stronger? No, it's probably declining. But when you compensate for learning to move biomechanically efficient, well, yeah, and it, it's what I talk about with all our guys, right? Like, you know, if we have an NFL or a college guy come to town, it's not about that you're a bad player, but if I could get you 1% better, and you know, three percent healthier, that's a huge deal. And if you compound that year after year, you see the Brady effect, which is, you know, you're you're in your 40s and your velocity is adequate in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Which is which is all you could ask for. And then you look at Ben, kind of the the opposite side of the spectrum, where it was like it wasn't, but I also like I look at Ben and then it gives me more hope because it shows that. A guy just hanging on at the end, no matter how much people clown him, can still get you to the playoffs. Yep. Like, and as much as we want to sit here and like make fun of him, like, well, the Steelers with him were in the playoffs and we're sitting here with two guys that have a healthy arm and we, we ain't winning. So yeah. to me, it's like, that's where it's like, even if Russell declines, you have to imagine having a mentally sharp quarterback under center and just his presence. Man, and you never know what happens once you get into the dance, right? You never know how things shake out and you go on a run. Um, because that last Super Bowl that Peyton won, right? Peyton wasn't Peyton. But you get into the dance with a, with an elite quarterback and you never know how it all shakes out. And I think that's something that, you know, even as he does decline, I think Denver fans can still be excited about. Well, and that was always the the one argument back, you know, back in 2015 of why I said, if Peyton Manning can walk, he's probably an upgrade over Osweiler in the playoffs because he's seen it before. Yeah. So he, he at least can give you that aspect of it. The Broncos, after trading for Russ Wilson, obviously they have a couple holes still on the roster, but now like they're they're in a situation where all of a sudden they they went from being really, really flushed with cap, but they were quote unquote a quarterback away to now they have a quarterback, but now they're trying to build a Super Bowl contender with a little bit less cap space. They don't have, you know, premium draft picks. Are there any spots? And again, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to like free agency stuff. So I'm not trying to put you on the clock there, but is there any spots that you kind of see based on, you know, your film study of the Broncos over the last year 
we are kind of concerned or think that they should still be looking to make an upgrade. The one yeah, that I would bring, go ahead. Sorry. I'm going to go in a, in a, in a maybe different direction than so one, I think the most urgent need is another pass rusher. So for me, it, it, that plays more into our division mm -hmm. and it plays more into the philosophy of, I think we'll be playing ahead more. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, then you want to really be able to get after the passer. Um, I don't feel the same like urge to upgrade the offensive line. Now, of course, I would love to see it. But I think part of what makes Russell great is not only his ability to get away from pressure, but his ability to make you right up front. And and I talk about it a lot because what so a right tackle could struggle, but you also could have had a quarterback turning the line away from him, leaving him in a one-on-one -on -one when the DN's in a four-eye which is yep. a really hard block because four I would be inside shade of him and he's one-on-one. -on -one. Whereas Russell will turn the line the correct way, which then just makes everyone's job easier. Now it doesn't all of a sudden make that right tackle more skilled, but I, I think it's like any of us can appreciate, man, when you're set up to be successful, it's a lot easier to be successful when you're kind of feeling like you're fighting against the current. Right. So I think that's something that I, where I don't feel that same need as if we had a younger quarterback back there where it's like, you got to address this, this, and this from a line perspective or a weapon perspective, I don't really have the same feeling with Russell. Cause I feel like him being back there is going to upgrade that and it's going to make it easier on the center with the mic point and, and all that kind of stuff. So for me, you know, I think a pass rusher is crucial because I think the complexities are, are you know, just the overall game plan of how they're going to win games is going to look different this year than it did maybe last year. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where I really feel like, man, if they could make one more move, I also think we may not see it this offseason, but we are going to see an influx in guys willing to come here yeah. on a different pay scale because Russell's here. And if the Broncos just have a, enough success next year to feel like, wow, this team's going to be a consistent contender. Like, look at what Tampa did with Tom Brady, right? Everyone was willing to take a discount to go there. And again, I'm not saying that you know, people still won't choose Kansas City at times because they definitely will with Patrick there. But I do think there's a way in which now Denver is on equal footing with other teams when it comes to a guy who's looking to get another ring before he retires. That's fair. That's exciting, honestly, because they don't have to pay Jacksonville prices, I guess. Yeah. That's like the way I would say it. Because yeah. like right now, until Trevor Lawrence proves that he's Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville's not a destination. Denver... Denver's kind of a destination. Like people that move there love it. And yeah. then you add on top of it, like they should be good. Like people are going to want to be there. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think a hundred percent, I think a hundred percent. And I think, you know, the, the governor that talked the other day too, about getting a 0% state income tax. So the second that happens, you'll see everyone in the NFL getting there. So I think it's a, no, but I do think, you know, listen, I, I, I think it's definitely turning into a destination. I think it's a great place to live too. So it is one of those things where, you could potentially see that thing get to the Peyton levels of discounted free agents where we were back when, you know, he was under center last year. Again, like the receivers, like quote unquote disappeared, like for the second half of the year, the boundary receivers really did. Uh, yeah. Patrick and Sutton did. And that basically once Bridgewater like started suffering, like the lower body injuries, it just suddenly, yeah. it just seemed like he couldn't drive the ball as much. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people for the last half of the year kept bugging me. They were concerned. Like, what happened to Sutton? What happened to Patrick? I yeah. kept telling him I thought it was more related to Bridgewater. Yeah. Uh, I think, do you see their roles? I, I think we both agree that their production will probably be there now. 
But do you see their roles really changing in terms of like how they're used going forward? I mean, I could tell you that I would. I mean, my my first thing to Cortland Sutton would be you're now going to be an inside receiver, but I think you're going to have 13 touchdowns. Like that's what I would sell him on. Because I think if you put him inside to that number two or number three, that Alan Lazard role, mm-hmm. I mean, or whoever, the I don't know if it's Alan or Aaron, whatever. But Lazard, he is a, to me, a 4X improvement at that position. And like, I think the way they could then gash cover two teams in the red zone would just be insane. Um, Tim Patrick, I think like Tim Patrick, what you're going to see is that, you know, the the, the the biggest play that I remember from the season was the Dallas touchdown on the go ball. And that's, right? I'm glad you mentioned it's it because that's actually, he said that at the presser too, just for yeah. so Russell Wilson. And again, I, I know you, you have a life, but Russell, <laughs> Russell, Russell Wilson actually said that he's watched all 17 games and the preseason three times over. And he like went at length, like talking about each skill player. And he yeah. mentioned Tim Patrick's play in Dallas. Yeah. So like he definitely is aware of it as well. And I think to me, it's like, that's what you're going to see a lot of that. Cause you're going to see way more one-on-one shots. And Tim Patrick is a guy that can win one-on-one matchups in the NFL. Um, and then, yeah. So I think both of their roles will be, com- I personally think they'll be different. And I think like, listen, Shermer started doing some of the stuff with Cortland Sutton at the end of the season, moving him inside. Right. Like, I don't know why they decided to do that, but he started doing that out of nowhere where it's like, I think your job's already gone, bud. But it's like, you know, that's what I think you'll see his role shift as. And I honestly, I think it's an easy, I think it's a really easy sell because I, I'm a believer in Cortland Sutton being a team guy and I'm a believer in his skill set. And he can still absolutely win one-on-one on on the outside, but why would you not want to have him matched up against a nickel? And then God forbid that you flex a corner down on him, right? Well, now you have a nickel playing a true corner position, which is just even more of a matchup nightmare when you have Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy out there outside or, you know, your motion KJ Hamler across and all of a sudden he's the number one receiver. Like, I just think there's so many options. So, yeah, I do think their roles will be slightly different. um, But like you already touched on, I think their production is going to be drastically different, obviously. And then if not, like, you know, I'll probably stop watching film and breaking things down because I'll have no idea what's going on in the NFL. The one area, like, so, for, you know, for the last couple of years, Drew Locke versus Tay Bridgewater, year before that, Jeff Driscoll was the backup. Year before that, Drew Locke, Brandon Allen. Right now, following the, you know, Drew Locke going to the Seattle Seahawks, Tay Bridgewater signing with the Dolphins, right now, Brett Rippon is the Broncos quarterback, too. Uh, I like Brett Rippon. I am a, as, as somebody who is five foot nine, 200 pounds, like, I root for, you know, the undrafted quarterback. I just think like, I I want that guy to have success and all by all accounts, he's a great guy. NFL teams usually bring four guys to camp. uh, Usually. Uh, So I'm assuming that the Broncos are not going to just accept Brett Rippon as the backup. They will probably bring competition for him. Broncos are facing a Super Bowl window with that in mind. Some teams approach this with kind of like, well, if our starter goes down, we're effed anyway, and we don't practice effed. But a lot of other teams say, well, we want a veteran. So if we have to try and win two games, especially in a loaded AFC West. So like, I can see that argument, but also cost. What do you think like makes the most sense uh, for the Broncos considering like competition for Brett Rippon? Yeah, it's interesting because part of you thinks, well, now with Russell, you would have the flexibility to take a rookie and develop him. But Russell's so young that it doesn't really make sense right anymore, in my opinion, to do that. Um you know, I think obviously, I you know, I'm a fan of Rippon too because I think when he did get 
it, it, you know, injected in the lineup. I thought he did a good job. I thought he was an adequate quarterback. Um, and, I, and I think that's why, obviously, he's sticking in the league. You know, I mean, I, I'm biased. One, I think there's an easy trade out there, which is if Deshaun goes to Carolina, I think you go try to get P.J. Walker because I'm biased and work with P.J., but I also think his game from an escapability standpoint Agreed. and, you know, being a short quarterback, <laughs> I think they both are, like, very cut from the same cloth. But I think that's the route you have to go, whether it be P.J. or a vet that has started enough that you feel good about. I think you have to go get him like a Jacob, uh, Jacoby Brissett is another guy where it's like I could see him being a, a viable option. The issue is, right, the market for those guys, Colt McCoy just signed one where it's like, you know, you're spending another six million dollars. Right. Brett Rippon is not costing you six million dollars right now. So I think that's the, the the big question. But I do think. You know, I would be looking to go and get, I mean, like, listen, it, let's say the commanders go a different way at quarterback. Do you go get a Heineke that yep. that kind of fits that mobile quarterback where, hey, I can get out and make plays? Because a lot of this is you want your offense to be the same. That's yep. a lot of what the backup quarterback's job is. And um, not to say that Brett can't do it, because I actually I absolutely believe he can do everything Russell from the, within the pocket. I do think some of those other guys would provide that escapability that, that Russell has. Um, so I think that's kind of the route you have to go. I mean, the second they made the trade, PJ was like, whoa, what am I getting picked up by Denver? You know, he's just messing around. But I do think it's like, you know, I, I think those are the kind of guys you have to look at are, are the guys that can extend the play. That makes sense. Realistically, and this is, you know, again, without diving too deep into the schedule, without, you know, getting too caught, because we have time for that. I'll probably make you yeah. come on and bug me at some other <laughs> point. We'll discuss this at length. Broncos are a Super Bowl contender now, though. That realistic, they are a Super Bowl contender, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Cool. It's not a, well, Trent Dilfer did it type of Super Bowl. It's like, <laughs> we actually are a Super Bowl contender. So Yeah, and I think, you know, the only thing that I would preface is I do not think they will be the number one seed this no, year. Because agreed. I think there will be growing pains. Um, but no, I think they're an absolutely, I, I think they're a formidable team. And I also think, the other thing, and again, it's like you don't want to get too caught up in like who you think someone is, but man, you have to believe that Russell as a free agent is going to be different day one at OTAs than someone else who isn't willing to like like I have to imagine that all those guys are gonna be throwing routes from now until OTAs versus hey, you know, so and so is gonna go back home. It's just funny, right? Because you command a little bit of a different deal. Like receivers weren't like, hey, Peyton, I uh, just want to let you know that my uh, mom's boyfriend's sister's uh, birthday's this week. You know, like, and I got to go back home. Like, that just didn't happen, right? Like, yeah. Mel, sorry, we got routes, right? Then you can fly out after. Like, there's a certain standard that those guys bring. And I think there will still be growing pains, but I think with him, there will be less because. I think these guys will be caught up by the time OTAs and, and, and training camp come around. Music to my ears. <laughs> it's awesome chatting with you guys. Again, if you do not follow Tim on Twitter, go do it. He is at T Jenkins elite. Go watch the video. It will be in the post that this video, this podcast drops with, but otherwise go on YouTube, go to all things QB. There are a lot of other breakdowns. Cause again, Tim also looks at the rookies and there is a decent chance the Broncos draft a guy because of cost. Yep. And if that's the case, that is how you can actually learn about the quarterback that might be the backup to Russell Wilson. So go check those out. Uh, but yeah, it was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you again for joining me. Appreciate you, man. I always feel bad when we only go an hour because I feel like we could go like seven, but I appreciate you, brother.